Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Please, we're starting a new series today, Summer School Reconstruction Edition. I am here as Professor Carl Thomas. Thank you for joining me today, showing up on time to class, ready to learn. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right, we're going to need some participation in this Pentecostal university today. Are you ready? All right, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. There's a lot of talk today about deconstruction. I had a uh, leaders meeting about a year, year and a half ago where I talked about the deconstruction cycle. We've talked about it Sunday morning, but uh, there's more to the deconstruction cycle than questioning everything, as some would have you believe. Uh, There's kind of a a trend today. We see a lot today that people talk about deconstruction, and they talk about why do I believe what I believe? And instead of giving answers to anything, the conclusion seems to have become, I just won't believe anything. I will just reject everything I've known, and I'll come up with some new things and just go with it. I find it funny that uh, sometimes uh, people want you to doubt your experience, yet believe their truth. Have you ever experienced that wonderful uh, uh, paradox right there? Hold on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pose for the gram. Okay, she told me not to pose. All right, so hey, this is what's funny. See, our God uh, is a living God. Can you say amen? amen. And, and he didn't just send uh, some book through a prophet and said, uh, I, am the, you know, I am the prophet of God, and therefore you're going to believe what I said, and you're going to be my follower. He's actually a living God, and he has moved through 66 books in the Bible. He has been revealed in a progressive revelation of this loving God whom we share. Uh, And not only through the Bible, and if the Bible is all we had, that would be sufficient. However, that's far from all we have. As a matter of fact, that's not even our primary witness to who God is in our lives. Our primary witness is the goodness of God himself. God himself testifies that he's good. He draws all creation to him. He is calling all people to know, love him, and be loved by him. Uh, And through this moving of his spirit on the earth, he is drawing people. And by the same spirit, he has spoken to people. And people, uh, as they processed what they heard from God, some wrote it down. Uh, Most give their testimonies to others. Uh, Many others just live with a silent faith for their entire life knowing that the God of creation has encountered them and their life is changed. Can you say amen? This, this, this is real reconstruction. But there, there is a, there's a battle that's happening, uh, even in the charismatic church today. Uh, we have observation and we have revelation. The soul can observe anything. The soul can observe what's happening in our world and come to conclusions. The soul can see what's wrong in people's lives and come up with an answer. We need revelation that is knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that comes from God to understand what we should do with the observations we receive from the world around us. Uh, We can't just settle for what we know in our own mind. We actually need to know God to understand and interact correctly with His creation. Can you say amen? Hey, we're in, we're in class today, amen? This is going to be a good class, though, because let me, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. At the end of this, uh, we are going to be more encouraged in our faith. In this, in this uh, you know, in the church today, we've talked about this. Uh, there's a lot of people who want to tell you what to think, There's not enough people telling us how to think. There's not enough teaching on how to come to godly conclusions. There's way too many people want to tell you what the godly conclusions are. Uh, The the four steps to whatever, the 16 principles, or the... I'm not interested in any of that. I'm far more interested that you would know and understand the plan of God for your life. So in this series, uh, this summer school, Reconstruction Edition... Uh, We are going to talk about some of the major doctrines of our faith. And today, we're going to talk about what is the truth about God. What's the truth about God? That's that's what we're going to... 
that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to go on a quest. We're going to kind of discover who God is and what is the truth about God. Now, before I came to a knowledge of Jesus, a saving knowledge of Jesus, I had a general knowledge of Jesus. I want to say hi to everybody online. I haven't said anything to you yet today. Hello. If you've got notes, go ahead and make sure you're taking notes there on some paper, pen, or with your tablet or whatever. I believe we're going to have some things you're going to want to talk about in life group uh, or just meditate and examine later. Uh, I, um, can you do me a favor, honey? I, you ever clean your glasses and they're dirtier afterwards than before? Is that ever? And then you have like lights shining directly at you. And so it just looks like you're looking through white paste. Uh, and so I have a beautiful wife who's going to clean my glasses. Unfortunately, I can't read anything without them. Uh, so here, here's the challenge that we're in today. Um, there is a difference between the capital T truth and what people are calling today my truth. See, my truth, my truth is that uh, cooked vegetables are disgusting, right? Uh, but many would declare that that is not the truth. Many people would say that I am under a heavy deception, right? But that is my truth is that cooked vegetables are disgusting, and I feel like if the government's going to do anything, we should stop the odor of them immediately, right? We should put lots of money, stop going to Mars, and we should figure out how to cook broccoli without me having to smell it. See, that is my that's my truth. That, and I would bring fat sexy back, right? Like, that's what I would do. If, if my truth is that there's nothing unsexy about just carrying a bunch of extra weight, right? See, that's my truth. There's nothing unhealthy about it. There's nothing wrong with it. Dad bods are where everybody should be. A, a Lord, the Lord apparently wants me to diet. Uh, he wants to cut off my joke. He's not even laughing. He's not even laughing at my little humor there. You see, because that's my truth. That's not his truth, apparently. That's not the truth. That's just a truth. He's like, move your fat body, Carl. It's, um, that's, and so we, we as Christians, we as, we, we as the created being, need to figure out the difference between my truth and the truth. Anybody hear what I'm saying? We need to be able to discern between my truth and the truth. And this is multi-layered. There are truths within God that may be good for you, but aren't necessarily universal truths. God may be telling one person, hey, you, you need to go through a season of being single because you've had too many partners. You don't know who you are. And he could be telling other people it's time to come out of hiding and make yourself vulnerable in a relationship right next to one another. Both are truth. Neither are the truth. The truth is that God is interested in your relationships. Your truth is somewhere within God's capital T, truth. Anybody know what I'm saying here? And so for too long, we have called a truth or my truth, the truth. And then we have a truth that, that is not even biblical. Both microphones on. When, when we go live, we'll edit all this out, right? Once we get this church going, once, once we're launched, I'm not going to have any of these issues, right? But right now, while we're in the pre-launch phase, it's going to be amazing once we get all this worked out, right? It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Hallelujah. We're not even going to talk to people. We're going to be so amazing. Um, <clears throat> and so we need to come up with a truth about God that all other truths regarding him have to fit within. And here is the truth about God. I want you to hold close as you reconstruct your faith. Are you ready? Are, are you ready? This is participatory. You're all being graded on your participation here today. In heaven, on the great day, I will have to bear witness whether or not you are participating in today's discussion. Are you ready? Yeah. Amen, amen, amen. Ready? Put it up for me if you would, please. God is good. Can you say amen? God, God is very, very good. And as you reconstruct your faith, as, 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 as information comes in, as doubts come in, as encouragements come in, as different teachers come in, it is important that you hold this truth at the center of your theology. God 
is good. He's a very good God in your life, and, 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 and he, he, he desires good things. And as we go through the scriptures today, we'll see how that kind of manifests in how we understand him. See, in the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, talks about God's interaction with man. Genesis 1.26 says, uh, God said, let us make man in our image, both plural, uh, according to our, one more time, uh, likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, cattle of the earth, verse 27. God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female. He created them, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Go back to verse 26, if you would, please. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Okay, so God is very good, and we are created in his image, meaning that we bear his image, and we're called according to his likeness. That means that it is our goal and our job here on the earth to lean into things that make us more Christ-like, and we are to shun things that make us less Christ-like. We are to go towards those things that represent the goodness of God, and we are to shun things that keep us away from His goodness. We are created in His image and according to His likeness, right? So go on to uh, back to 28, if you would, please. Then God blessed them. If you get nothing else out of this message today, when God created you, He blessed you. Amen. You carry the blessing of God upon your life. Every person on this planet, whether they know that Jesus is the Messiah or not, whether they have received him as Messiah or not, were created in the image of God, and God has, to a degree, blessed them. This is called the Imagio Dei. That means in the image of God. That means that every person that uh, on TV is slandered and in and, 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 and every political rally you're told to hate, they're telling you to hate someone who carries God's image. Super important that we, as Christians, recognize that it is our job to create God's creation like it is God's creation. We are to interact with the world with the knowledge. See, we're not ignorant like those who have not met Him. We interact with the world with the knowledge that our God created these people in His likeness according to His image and he blessed them. Now, they may not be walking in that blessing. They may not have the understanding of it. But those of us who have understanding need to have more grace than those who do not have understanding. Yeah. It is our job to let people know that God created him, them in his image and he has blessed them. God is not up there angry. God is not stewing, waiting to pour out wrath. God, God is not like, he's not like, so confused, like, I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to punish them. I'm not sure. I know what I'll do. I'll make Mary's car not start on Tuesday when she has a big interview. That's how I'll get back at her for her dastardly deed of watching that movie she shouldn't have watched. Like, that. this is not what God is spending his time in heaven doing. God is a good God, and he has already blessed his creation. See, God created you in his likeness and then appointed you to be his representative on the earth. This, this is literally what he did. This, this is the role of your creation in the very beginning, before it got all messed up. Now, many of you who are in education, you had a job before coronavirus came and messed it up, right? Many of us, coronavirus came in and messed up what we were doing. Things were going, society had a pattern, we had a rhythm, and then it got messed up. And this is what sin did. Sin messed up the world. It came in and it messed up the relationship between God and man. It's much like in a marriage where one partner went into infidelity. It's difficult to move past that. It's hard to, 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 to move past the idea that someone has given affection to someone other than the person they have given their life to. It's hard to move past that, but by God's grace, it's possible. Amen. It's possible that God will heal hearts. It's possible that people can walk in forgiveness. It's, in fact, even a greater love to walk in forgiveness with a new start with that partner. But there has to be recognition. There has to be reconciliation. You can't just act like it didn't happen and move on like it didn't. Can anybody say amen? amen. 
You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. And so if you have a friendship, you're really tight, and then they betray you, you can still have a friendship. But if you don't deal with that infidelity, if you don't deal with that betrayal, then in the midst of your relationship, there is a pillar crying out warning. They may do it again. No matter what you see, I still see this. And that's why it's important for you to ask questions of people once you believe someone has been unfaithful to you. Don't be so fearful that you never bring up the subject for fear that it will never get better or it'll get worse if you bring up. See, truth doesn't make things worse. Truth brings things to the surface so you can deal with them. Walking in a lie is never good. Let me say that again. Walking in a lie is never good. We are living in a post truth culture in the United States with even political leaders telling us that they can make up the truth. But I'm here to let you know that only God creates the truth and it does not change. See, God is good. That is the truth. And it does not change. But sin came into the world. It distorted this relationship that we have with God. This happens about Genesis chapter three. And don't worry, I'm only going into three chapters in the Bible. I'm not going to cover the entire book today, right? So, so you, can, you can stay at ease with that. Now, if you look at the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, and I would encourage you to read it, we recognize four things that happened in the garden here once they were separated from God through sin. Uh, they, uh, sin came in and they were, put that up for me please, they were separated, man and female, uh, they were separated from God because of their sin. They no longer could live in the presence of God. Uh, they were separated from each other. This is sin. When you see people with enmity, unforgiveness, suspicion, bitterness, gossip, the Bible tells us, when you see someone just has a heart that is not in love with other people, we know sin is there. And it has to be dealt with, right? So it separated Adam and Eve from one another. Adam starts blaming Eve for the fact that, you know, he sinned. Ain't that like a typical husband right there, right? It's her fault, right? It's, it's, anybody know what I'm talking about? It's her fault. It, it separated us from creation. No longer could man just get whatever he wanted. He had to actually begin to work. And most importantly, and I think not talked about enough, sin separates us from our true self. This is super, super important for you to realize. It separates us from our true selves. While we're living in sin, we cannot know who we really are and who we're really called to serve. We distort the image of God in our lives. We distort our view of other people. We distort our view with the land. We, we distort our view of ourselves. We, we cannot live in sin and live in harmony with God. This is the battle in this post-truth culture. We had a, 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 a I'm, I'm part of a prophetic movement and, um, and uh, the, the, the lead prophet in this movement is uh, taking on the task of trying to rehabilitate the prophets who were just so wrong in the last two years. And he's trying to help them understand, you did not just get a wrong prophecy, you were not hearing God. There is an alternate source of revelation in your life, and you need to learn how to distinguish between these voices, because one is the truth and one is a lie. And you cannot live according to the lie and think you're going to stand in the goodness of God. It's not possible. I have a pool in my backyard, which I'm very thankful for, which I'm going to swim with men in uh, this, this afternoon, and we're going to make lots of splashes. We're going to eat too much food, and some of us are going to have to stay in the shallow end just to stay healthy from drowning from all the meat lodged. Pools are good for meat sweats, is what I'm understanding. So we're going to... But in the, in the, in the, in the well water in, in, uh, in Boca Raton, there's what they have, they call tannins. Uh, you know that? It's like the red kind of color that if you see like sprinklers that left red all over cars, all over walls, you've seen that, right? Where it marks it. That's because they used well water. And in Boca Raton, there's tannins in the water. Now, I like my pool to be clear. Uh, it makes me somehow a better person. I don't know. But when my yard looks nice and my pool looks good, I feel better about myself, right? It's a, it's a wrong measurement, but it is what it is, right? Men, you just got to glory in whatever you can, right? And so when I'm filling my pool, I'm not using this well water to fill my pool because I don't want my pool red, right? I want it clear. So I use the pure water that comes from the city that goes into my pool so my pool will not be defiled by this red water. 
right? And so people think uh, there's this post-truth culture that I can just believe any truth I want and God is okay with it. I can have clear water coming in, the clear truth of God's word, God's revelation, God's nature, his love, and I can partake in the lies of this world, you know, lying, uh, suspicion, bitterness, gossip, sin, sexual sins, physical sins, hatred, bitterness, self-serving, loathing, and I'm going to come out in the end just fine. That is a deception. Can you say amen? It just doesn't work that way. If you're a baker, like, ingredients matter, right? They matter. You can't just say, well, I'll just put anything in this bowl and it's going to turn into bread. Right? Yet we somehow think that we can dictate how God is going to operate and he's bound to do what we said because we say what we want in the end process. It just doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, God has a process and we need to be transformed to that process because I promise you, I've been walking this thing a little while, he's not going to be transformed to ours. <laughs> Otherwise, he's not the God. We are. And the biggest fallacy in American Christianity today is that you are actually the God. And if you say the right things or you jump the right way or if you act like the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, uh, then all of a sudden God is bound to do a certain something. But that is not God's nature and it's not how it works long term. If you want to live in the goodness of God, live according to the goodness of God. There's a theologian I like these days, his name is Charlie Date. He tweeted this and I'll talk about this again another week, he basically says in the first part, hey, it's possible to live in sin and enjoy it and know that God is not okay with it. Last sentence here is what I want to talk about. He says, reject the idea that because your sin is pleasurable to you, that God is wrong about it. Let me say that one more time. Reject the idea that because sin, your sin is pleasurable to you, that God is wrong about it. We need to actively reject that idea. We don't live by pleasure. Hear me. We can only find true connection in God. We can only find true connection in God. In God, God created everything. We're within that everything. If we want proper connection within that thing, we have to live according to the thing we're within. It just makes sense. If we're rejecting the very womb that we're residing in right now, our purposes get aborted. We have to live within the womb of our creation, and that is the love of God. Otherwise, our purposes, the plans, the, the call gets aborted. And so many people, they encounter the presence of God, they encounter the love of God, and yet their call is aborted because they've tried to drink from other wells. And we're not going to do that, amen? amen? Without God, we determine our needs based on what we think we lack or Based on the sinfulness of the world, we determine what it is we want. And we live in a sinful life and we ask God to counteract the sin that we're in. And God is not looking to constantly play cleanup in our lives. He will. He will. He will absolutely play cleanup in every situation we have that we invite Him into. But He would rather supersede that sinfulness. He would rather be with us at the beginning. He doesn't always want to have to come in when we're frantic about how do I fix this mess. He would much rather be in at the beginning as we're planning the event. Amen. Exodus 34. We see the Lord having interaction with His creation. In verse 6, the Lord passed by in front of Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Now, this is the God that we serve, this loving kindness of God. Now, it's important that we recognize that in God's scriptures, the scripture he's passed down to us, even in the old covenant, the way it is written, the blessings always come before the curses. It's always God's desire that we live in the blessings. It's always God's desire. He tells us over and over again, hey, don't do this, live this way. And then he's like, and if you do, here's what you have to do to make it right. He always starts off with the blessing. He always starts off with the guidance. He always starts off with his loving kindness. He always starts off with his grace. 
And towards you, every time you approach him, that's how he starts. That's how he starts conversations. It's how he starts relationships. It's how he starts covenant with his goodness. But I want to look at these three words quickly that he forgives. Iniquity, transgressions, and sin. And if we're going to get an understanding of who God is, we have to understand God's moral qualities. Now, iniquity, transgression, and sin are three different things often lumped together. Iniquity is grossly unfair behavior. That's behavior where people are treated in vastly different ways on some arbitrary quality. He says right at the beginning here, right, he keeps loving kindness, forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Before sin, he talks about iniquity. Iniquity is, in Israel, was them treating people not as equals. God says, I can forgive that, but I need you to stop it. I need you to stop your prejudices. That's an important quality to God. And in our post-truth culture, that seems to not be as important to some Christians. But we see all the way back here in the Exodus, God wants it to stop. Can you say amen? And so then we see transgressions. Transgressions are when we cross the line for God's way of living. We have transgressed His way of life. We have transgressed his precepts. We have transgressed what he says to do. That tells us that there is a way that we should be living. We can't just say, you know, well, you have your truth, I have my truth, and, you know, it doesn't really matter whose truth we're following. We have to have our own truth in the recognition that there is a truth, capital T, and that we all have to live within it. Amen. It's important that at least we understand that there is a way that God has for you that leads to blessings. He wants you to live within it. And when you transgress, there is forgiveness. But there is forgiveness when you turn back toward His way of living. And that's His goal with this whole thing. His whole thing is to turn you back toward His goodness. And finally, third, there is sin. Sin is when you fall short of the mark is what it literally it means. It's God has a bullseye that we're all supposed to be shooting for. And when you sin, it's when you don't hit the bullseye. Now, God doesn't just say, well, oh, well I understand, you know, you uh, got horny and, you know, well, that's, you know, well, I, <laughs> I get it, you know. It's not what he says. He's like, well, that was wrong. That was wrong. You fell short of my best and it's time to, you know, repent and now try again. That's the key part. Now, try again. Let's, let's get this thing right. Well, God, I, you know, I really enjoy this, so I really feel like you probably don't mind. Ooh, that's not, no, we can't. Now we're in some funny places here. We can't say, well, God, you know, you know rent is expensive, and, you know, and so you know, this just kind of makes sense, does it? He goes, oh, sin, falling short of the mark of God's best. No, doesn't actually make sense to me at all, you know? I can see Jesus like, yeah, it kind of made sense for me not to go to the cross for you. <laughs> that kind of made sense, you know, like why would I be murdered when I could, I don't know, live and be God. But I, you know, went ahead and decided to hit the bullseye and actually do God's will. You know, and what, what, what were you saying? You wanted to save some money on rent? What, what, was, what was, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. He's like, ah, you know, it's so hard, God, though it's. It's so hard. I, you know, we got this tithe to pay it all the time. You know, I wanted those new kicks. And he's like, yeah, I know it's difficult. You know, when I was hanging up there on the cross with those nails through my wrists, I was thinking, sure could save some money if I would have, you know, come on. Like, you know, God, 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 does he understand? Absolutely. But he has a mark. He wants you to hit. See, what you do here on earth matters. Um. It matters. And, and, and God is like, it matters to him. He's like, I, I want you to hit the mark. And, and God is here. He's cheering you on. Like, I know you can do it. I can forgive you when you get it wrong, but understand you're filling your pool with water that will stain it. Eventually, it's going to change the chemistry 
of the water until the point where this water is not even safe to swim in anymore because it's not carrying the disinfecting chemicals that it needs to keep you safe. All of a sudden, you've gone from this pool that's supposed to be life-giving and beautiful after the men get the man sweats from the meat and are jumping in having contests. And now all of a sudden, it's just going to bring, it's going to bring more sickness upon you if you get in it. You see, the Bible, <laughs> the Bible tells us that there is sin, but there is also grace. You see, there is an enemy who wants you to fall into sin, but there is a God who gives you grace. And this very gay man, and this very good God, he gives you actual power to live according to his precepts. He gives you power, and that power is called, in the Bible, grace. Grace is God's empowerment to both perform our obligations and to love God. It's beautiful. It's, it, 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 it's, we owe God. We owe God our lives because He created us. We owe Him our loyalty because He gave a sacrifice for our sins. And He doesn't tell us to do this on our own power. He then gives us the ability to follow Him. He gives us the power to love Him and to walk according to His perfect ways. Now, you could be asking, why would He create me to be a robot? And he's like, oh, goodness gracious, He, he didn't. What he did was he created an earth and he gave you all the power to choose life. But at the same point, he loves you so much, he gives you that choice. You see, a slave has no power. A captive has no ability to love. God says, I'm not going to create you a robot. I'm not going to force you to do anything. I am going to show you. That there is life and there is death and I'm going to ask you to choose life and then I'm going to give you all the tools to live in life and I'm going to give you the option. Of course you're going to choose life. Of course you're going to choose this wonderful way of living in communion with your God and with the people around you and with your true self and with the creation. I'm going to give you so many blessings and, and gifts and in wonderful times of peace. And I mean, out there are troubles, but in me is life. And I'm going to give you this way. Wait, wait, wait you, you've chosen the other way. Are you, are you sure? I'm going to continue to send you my spirit to convict your heart to let you know there's a better way. Maybe you should come to church. Maybe you should go back to coming to church. Maybe you should read your Bible. Maybe you should, you know, be faithful in your giving. Like, like he's constantly peeking your heart, trying to say, hey, 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 there's a better way, there's a better way, and you're laying in bed at night, and you're like, ah, I shouldn't have done that. That's God, by His Spirit, saying, I have a better way for you to live, and you lay, I don't know if I should do that, I don't know if I should go, I don't know if I should forgive, maybe I should just protect myself, why would I choose love again? That's the Holy Ghost on the inside of you saying, choose love, choose grace, Choose forgiveness. Choose God's ways. It's going to be a better life. But at the same time, you got an enemy saying, oh, no, no, no. It's so much better to fill your pool with poison water. It's easier. It's cheaper. It's, you'll get it done quicker. And God is like, no, I'm still here. I'm still here cheering you on. It says in John 10, 10, it says that the thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy, but God says, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. That means you have so much life on you that other people could come and drink from the life that's on you. You like, your life is like dropping breadcrumbs, bread trails of, of life everywhere you go. And people will just follow the breadcrumbs in your life to, toward life. That's the goal of God. For I want to give you so much life that the people around you see the life that's on you so that they could come and enjoy the life as well. That's, that, that, that is our God. This is who He is. And Psalm 145 says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all and His mercies over all His works. That includes you. His mercies are over you today. If you're one of those people who lay in bed and you have been lied to about the wrath of God, that at any given moment, God is ready to destroy everything and kill you. And he's, 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 right now, he's storing up wrath. He's ready and he's waiting like something is holding back God because he wants to destroy. You've been lied to. That is not our God. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like man. That sounds like the unregenerated man. That sounds like someone who has not encountered the love of God, what they think is justice. 
But God operates in a different kind of justice towards you. He operates in a justice that increases his love in you. He operates in a justice that says, you deserve wrath, but I will give you forgiveness and love. He says, I want to give you peace. I want you to lay in bed at night and feel guilt-free about how you live and the choices that you've made. And the enemy says, I know how you can live guilt-free. Just stop listening to God. And God says, I have a way for you to listen to both of us and still be guilt-free. Walk in truth and recognize the lie. This is our God. God's love and grace is the great story of the Bible. But we can't see it because we keep looking at God through the lens of what we think is right and what we want. We have our unregenerated desires and we view God through them. I don't know if you've ever had children or been a child possibly. You ever like go to the... You go to the pantry, and you didn't hear this growing up. You don't hear it until you raise some kids. And they, you know, you, you, you spend your life earning money, and you spend way too much of that money on food to feed ungrateful people, right? Like, <laughs> because we just raise our kids with them expecting that we're going to be good, right? We, like, like, if your kids should be, like, super surprised you're feeding them, there's something wrong, right? Like... Like, as parents, we want them to come to the table and be like, oh, God, man, Mom, I know this must have been so much work. And, Dad, you made money to buy this food. And, Mom, you had to go to the store and buy it. And I don't know how long you spent cooking it. I can't believe this happened for me. This is, wow, I know your life has been busy, and yet you spent your precious time making me food. Oh, goodness, I don't even know if I can eat this. It's like a love offering to the Lord. I want to pour it out like David did when they brought the cup of water to him as an offering. I mean, that's what we'd like, like every meal, like just cereal, mom. You have my cereal and the bowls are clean. What have I done, God, to get such grace and mercy from you? This is, I mean, that's what we'd like, right? I mean, that's how we, as parents, that's, we wouldn't mind. I mean, I mean, we don't live that way toward God. Right? But we would sure love our kids to love that way. Could you imagine if we live that way toward God, like we wake up in the morning? I'm still married. I can't, oh my gosh, you're there. You're there again. Every day I wake up and you're right here. That's, a, oh, oh. Okay, brush my teeth first, no problem. Okay, I'll brush my teeth. And then we'll have this conversation. I got it, okay, no problem. But, oh, oh, look at that. My socks are clean. Honey, did you clean my socks? Thank you. Right? Like that's like, that's this. But I mean, that's not the world we live in, though, right? We start to just kind of expect stuff. And if you've ever had a kid go in the pantry and be like, there's nothing to eat here. There's nothing to eat in this house. Well, we got leftovers from yesterday. Oh, not the leftovers. Oh, I got those microwave burritos. Two minutes in the microwave you want me to slave. What are you talking about? Make a sandwich. I don't like that bread. Oh, there's nothing to eat in this house. Has anybody been there? We've all been there. We've all been that person. And that's us with God, like, all the time. All the time. Like, God, I know you brought me this, and you came through for me on that, and you did that miracle there, and you provided this, and I'm, uh, you know, alive in a country where they're not murdering me for being a, you know, Christian, and, uh, you know, my wife gets to, you know, go to college and all that stuff, and, you know, she didn't die in childbirth, praise the Lord, you know, we, when we're sick, we can go to hospitals, it may cost a little more money than we want, and, you know, I could drive my car on the street and not worried about being carjacked and murdered, you know, by some sort of, you know, Somali refugee, you know, uh, uh, terrorist, you like, like, I can just live in this... But God, they don't have the shoes I want in stock. What is going on? I need that for my outfit on Saturday. <laughs> like we just, <laughs> anybody know what I'm talking about? We view God through what we want or what we need. And perspective is so much of what we get wrong about God. We, we view God through like, you know, he has shown himself faithful to billions of people over the ages. And then we have a situation and we decide that this situation is the only way we're going to view God. This is who he is. This is, some, I mean, it's like, you know, you, you ever had friends for years and then you have one bad day and all of a sudden that's who you are. 
you know, like that was a bad day I had. I just, I'm sorry, you know, like, uh, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. That's the, I don't know what the last 30 years has been, but, uh, you know, that's not who, then God is like, I've just been faithful from, I don't know, the beginning of time. But, you know, I'm super sorry you didn't get into the middle school you wanted, you know, like this is, but it's not really an accurate representation of who I am. God, I can't believe I got a ticket. Well, you were speeding. <laughs> you know? Oh, I prayed in tongues. Yeah, well, do that before you speed. <laughs> Live in the land of the living, you'll probably go better. You, you, you see what I'm saying? And, and we, we, we fail to see God for who He is. We spend so much time seeing Him for what we want. And it's a desire that may or may not have actually come from Him. Like I said at the beginning, we think that we know what we need, and then we're upset with God that he doesn't fulfill it. But here's what I want you to know. God is good. God is very, very, very good. It has always been God's desire to restore us, to reflect God's goodness. If you want to know what God's doing in your life, if you're like, I don't know what season I'm in. I don't know what we're doing right now. This is the season you're in. You started it when you were born, and you're going to be in this season until you die. God is working in your life so that you can reflect His goodness. Wherever you're at in this season right now, that's where you are. I mean, oh, but I don't know where I'm going to live. You know, let me me help you out with that. God is good. Does that mean I'm going to get the apartment I want? No. No, 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 not at all. I mean, if you haven't paid your rent in a couple months and you don't have a job and you know, your family can't stand you, you're probably going to be homeless, right? Like, that's, that's, it is, that, that has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with God or His nature. You're like, well, I was doing no sin at all, and someone just came and ran into my car. Yeah, we live in a fallen world where bad things happen. And we'll talk about suffering another week, because there is suffering in this world. But that does not reflect God's goodness. See, the truth is that we all are going to spend eternity somewhere. And it's God's desire that we live eternity with Him. This world is not the end. That's good news and bad news. If you have made a very comfortable life for yourself here, if you have maybe abused your relationship so that you can excel here, That's bad news because there is another world. If you have sown love in this age, even if you have not prospered in the natural sense, I have really good news for you. There is an age to come. And in this age, we will live with God for eternity. It's important that we as Christians live toward that. It's important as Christians that we interact with the world understanding that everybody we come into contact with has an eternity playing out. In this age, in light of eternity, what happens whether or not you get that furniture you're looking for, whether or not you get that haircut before the event happens, uh, whether someone else is wearing the same dress that you're wearing, in light of eternity, none of this matters. It's so important for those of us who can who deal, our families deal, or historically have dealt with mental health issues, that we keep God in perspective. In light of eternity, this situation that I'm in right now will not matter. What matters is that I am engaged in this season in love. You say amen. Let me, let me, let me close with this. My wife and I do a, a lot of premarital counseling. We do marriage counseling, not as much marriage counseling because we have found that professionals are better than we are, uh, but we do give uh, marriage advice. I'm more than happy to meet with people and uh, share the revelation God has given us about marriage, take it or leave it. Um, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> but in premarital counseling, I, 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 uh, I like to refocus. And I think that's part of the gift of God, the anointing of God in my life is to refocus people on God's truth, and if you get married, and, or if you've been married, the majority of the money that will be spent that day is on a party after the wedding. Uh, weddings are very inexpensive. Uh, wedding receptions are very expensive. Weddings are 
no more than a couple people making a vow before God and other people watching them as witnesses towards those vows, uh, that's inexpensive. It doesn't have to cost anything. The reception is ridiculously expensive uh, as a celebration of what is up to you, right? What, what the reception is about is never really defined. Is the wedding reception um, a celebration that uh, people have found their life partner? Is the wedding reception a uh, party uh, to honor um, uh, the, the future and what could be? Is, is, is it possible that it's um, us recognizing that two families have come together and we want to get together and socialize in the midst of that? Um, maybe. Uh, is it just because that's what everybody does, most likely? Is it about the fact that two people stood before God and made a covenant that no matter what comes, I'm going to remain faithful to you? And therefore, this is a celebration of our covenant-making God who will give us grace to choose love in very hard situations. Unfortunately, almost never. But you can choose. You get to choose what the celebrations in your life signify. Is this birthday just a, hey, we get, you know, the, today's about me, and so we go eat what I like? Or is it God has been faithful to me another year, and therefore I celebrate His goodness? Is the graduation of your children, hey, look, look what my kids were able to do, or was it God has been faithful to this family to help raise children and keep them alive and educated for 18 years? For me, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Every church anniversary is not about, look what we built every year, but God has been faithful to the people of this community for another year. That's why we celebrate it. We celebrate the lives that have been changed and transformed. And so if you are married and you had a reception and it was just because this is what people do, I would encourage you. Next year, celebrate what God has done. Celebrate the covenant. Do it this weekend. Do it today. If you've had a birthday and it's never been about God sustaining you, today, get this theological understanding in you. God has been faithful to me another year, and I'm going to celebrate and thank Him for that. Let me close with this in uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. <clears throat> for it was the Father's what? It was the Father's for all the fullness to dwell in Jesus and through Jesus, watch this, to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. What God is doing right now on the earth is he is reconciling the world to himself. He is not setting up the earth on a T, like back in T-ball, getting ready to smack it into destruction. That is not what the Bible says he's doing right now. The Bible says that he has us on the earth displaying his goodness to those who do not know him and us following God in a way that his goodness is transforming our lives and showing, displaying, demonstrating to the world around us where we can find that goodness. And his Holy Spirit is active in the world. Come on up, Mike. Right now, drawing, reconciling, moving, redeeming the world toward himself. Can you say amen? amen? God is not setting up the world for destruction. He is setting up the world so that his glory could cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That is the good God that we serve, and that's what he's doing right now. Stand with me if you would. Put up my first slide one more time. I want you to remember one thing. If you get nothing else from today, God is good. Let's say it together. God is good. Now, I don't know what struggle you're going through right now. If you're like me, you're part of God's plan on the earth, and there's some struggles, he wants me in. So I can declare something in those struggles. Would you like to know what he wants us to declare in those struggles? Let's say it together. God is good. And when things don't work out the way we think they should work out, you know the nature of God in those situations? Let's say it together. God is good. And when you make it another year in prosperity and overcoming and blessings and happiness and joy and success, you know God's nature? 
God is good. And when things don't work out the way you want and you don't understand his plan and you don't understand why he hasn't delivered you from that situation or why he still has you witnessing to those people or why he has not come out of this thing that you would like to be able to come out of, let me tell you how God is in those situations. You know, God is good. He's reconciling all things together to himself. It's what he's doing right now. And then sometimes that means that things don't get reconciled to me right away. Let me finish this with this. <clears throat> you can say, Pastor, why'd you talk about sin if we're just going to talk about the goodness of God? <clears throat> because how we feel about situations does not change them. If we are going to worship a real God, then we have to recognize that we are not the God and He is. There comes a point in every believer's life where you have to recognize that God is God and I am not. And that means that things don't always work out the way I want them to. But it does not change who God is. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray today that you would come to the realization in your life that God is good and that He's worthy to be followed. That God... I just, I have this, <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I've kept you long, please forgive me. Um, I'm almost done. The Lord just reminded me of something and I, I, I need to share it. I was in a, been a hard year. Anybody, anybody testify that 2021 has been, thought it was over in 2020. The warfare, the spiritual warfare I have been in in 2021 is like, I have not seen in a very long time. And, uh, uh, don't wish it on anybody. It's been, been, been pretty terrible. And uh, <clears throat> in the midst of it, God has been continually reaching out to me, reminding me of His goodness. And I was in a particularly bad place recently, feeling sorry for myself, as my first pastor used to say, just sucking on worms. I don't even know what that means, but that's what he would say. I'm feeling sorry for himself. Just sucking on worms. In heaven, I'm going to have to ask him, what did that mean? I don't even understand, but, but it stuck with me. You ever been in those situations where you're just feeling sorry for yourself for a long time? Why is the world not about me right now? Just why are things not working out for me? Why isn't everybody focused on me? Why isn't the world revolving around me? I'm in a hard place, God. You could change this in a second. Yeah, I could, but this is how I got things right now. And I was just feeling, feeling sorry for myself is really, I mean, they may call it depression. I just call it feeling sorry for yourself. And I tell you, the Spirit of God just came into the room in such an <clears throat> overpowering way. My chest began to burn. I felt the fire of the Holy Spirit come upon me. And it felt like a warm blanket came around me. It felt like, like, like if heaven were to hug you, what it would feel like. And God began to speak to me. And He said to me, He said, I... There's this phrase that he likes to say when I'm in a particularly deep place of feeling sorry for myself. He likes to whisper in my ear, I got you. I got you. Some of me and my friends, when we say, I got you, that means you don't need to worry about it anymore. I got it. And so God said to me, I got you. And then he began to tell me all these people I have been sending to you to remind you that I got you. All the words I've spoken to you over the years about my faithfulness. And then he said to me, he said, here's what he said. He said, nothing has changed. In my life, it felt like everything had changed. It felt like he was with me and I was on top of the mountain with him and things were going. And now we're going downhill and the valley is ahead. He's like, nothing has changed. My words towards you have not changed. My heart towards you has not changed. The column, your life has not changed. My, my anointing upon you has not changed. My goodness towards you has not changed. The banner that I have over you is still love. Nothing has changed. And as his love, wow, as his love was just enveloping me, I could just see his goodness outside of my issues. And he was unchanged. And I was instantly transported back to my prayer place. And I looked around and everything looked different. All of a sudden, 
with the revelation of God's goodness in my heart, all of a sudden my problems didn't seem as problematic because I recognized that they are not the author of my future. God is the author of my future. That I don't live for that situation. I live for the living God. I, amen. I, I'm not bound by what I want the outcome to be in this situation. I'm bound by a Savior who hung on the cross, not by three nails, but by love. Love for me and the call on my life and the future that he saw of all people being reconciled to our God. Jesus hung on that cross because he knew the love of the Father. And he needed to make a way for us to live within that love. And so, friend, you could stand in front of the cabinet today and say, there's nothing to eat here. Or you could say, my God has provided everything I need. I want to welcome you today. Maybe you've never made a decision that today I am going to stop looking at the world through what I want and I'm going to surrender my life to God. Uh, today, maybe you will make this decision with me that I am, I am not going to put myself at the center of the universe. I'm going to put Jesus Christ where he belongs, on the throne of my life. And I'm going to say, not my will, but your will be done. Now, I declare that you are a good God. And for my life to get gooder, I need to follow the one who is good. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would, please. I just want to know who I'm praying with today. Maybe you're like me and you're like in that situation where you're like, it's all about my situation changing. And God brought you here today supernaturally, not by accident, but to hear, hey, I got you. I've been good for a long time. I'm going to continue being good. Maybe you're like me and you need that presence of the Father to embrace you today and let you know I got you. I believe He is here today by His Spirit and He's going to give some of you that assurance of His love. I want to pray for everyone who needs that prayer today. But I want to know who I'm praying with. Nobody looking around, please. Just between me and you, I want to know who I'm praying for. Just put your hand up and down really quick. You're like, yeah, I need that today. Yeah, I see you. Who else? Yeah, 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 yeah. I see that. Yeah, put it, you can put them down. Yeah, I see that. And we're going to surrender our lives to Jesus today. And we're going to say, not my will, but your will be done because you are the God and I am the creation. You can look up. Let's all pray this together. Uh, and I want you to believe this in your heart. We're going to say a prayer that God is God and that Jesus is His Son and He is our Savior. Pray with me today. Father God, thank You for being good. And I declare today that I'm going to live according to Your goodness. I'm going to turn away from sin and I'm going to turn toward you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he made a way that I can turn toward you. And so today, come on, let's say it. So today, I receive Jesus as my Savior. I believe that he was born from a virgin. He never sinned. He died on the cross for my sins. He didn't stay dead. He came back to life. Whoa. And he went up to heaven. And he's praying for me right now. And today, I will answer his prayer. And I'm turning toward Jesus. And I say, you're my Savior. Wash me clean. Save me from this world of sin. Fill me with your spirit and I'll walk with you. Give me power and I'll tell the world about you. And I'll bring them to a place to meet you again for your glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, give a clap offering to the Lord. Come on, all the angels in heaven rejoicing right now. Right now, all the angels in heaven are rejoicing over one person who turns toward the living God. Now put your hands up. Let me pray for you right now. Just to get in a position to receive. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare these people are washed clean in your blood. Father, that they are now pleasing 
in your sight, Father, having turned towards your Son, Jesus, I declare the presence of the Father upon them, lifting every spiritual burden, lifting every heavy heart, washing clean their conscience, Father, that they can go to bed at night knowing that my sins are forgiven, Father. I pray that you will preserve them until they return again next week for more edification and equipping, Father, that they will come with a hungry heart and a thankful, thankful heart to come and be touched by you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? I'm going to ask Duke to come forward. Yeah, amen, 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 come on. And and, and if I'm any ministry team directors in the house today, life group leaders, keep playing for me here, Mike. Listen, before you go, we love you. We love you. Covenant in your heart, bring somebody to the place of freedom. Now, some of you need hand laid on you. If maybe you gave your heart to Jesus for the first time, I want you to come and talk to somebody up here so they can pray for you. Maybe, Maybe you're stuck in this depression. We want to have that broken off your life. Maybe you just need prayer for miracle healing for you or you want to stand in the gap for someone in your life. We want to welcome you to come forward and receive prayer for that. But we love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you again. Give one more hand clap for the Lord. Amen. 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 Bless you guys. If you are a gentleman, plan to come tonight at 5 p.m. to the RLC Men's Barbecue. And there's a sign-up sheet in the lobby to see what you uh, can bring. If you have any questions, see us out in the lobby. God bless you guys.